This is the Run Matters Podcast, brought to you by Skechers Performance. Go like never before. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Run Matters Podcast, powered by Skechers Performance. I'm your host, Neil Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-host, friend, and business partner, and also fellow Syracuse alum, Mark Sullivan. Mark, how are you today? I'm great, Neil. Greetings from New Jersey. And we're also joined by Amanda Brooks. If you've been listening to the show, you know that we have Amanda on every show in our Run to the Finish segment. Amanda, how are things going out in Colorado today? Pretty good. We're just awaiting this weekend's Snowmageddon. Haven't they come up with a better name for that, uh, No, there's, there's not a name yet, but there always is, right? <laughs> so what's the number they're projecting? Anywhere from 20 inches to like 43 inches. And that's not in the mountains. That is actually here in Denver. <laughs> Amanda, I'm going to insist that you send me a picture at some point tomorrow to show me exactly how much snow has fallen on the ground. And if it's somehow less than 20 inches, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I'm planning on taking the snowshoes right out the front door. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there'll be no run tomorrow. Nope. So on episode six, I thought we would do something a little bit different. I want to do something called the lightning round topic du jour, where we'll go around uh, to all of us and uh, talk about a specific topic that interests us as it relates to running. And uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order. And that means we're starting with Amanda. Amanda, what is your uh, lightning round topic du jour for today? Recently, I have done something that I have never done in the entire history of running as an adult, which is going to track workouts with a group. I think like a lot of people, I have bad memories of high school running the mile. And so for 20 years, I have avoided track workouts, which is pretty impressive, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, you know, when we talk to Chez and of course, Meb, you know, they talk about, you know, track workouts in addition to road workouts. So that's interesting that you have avoided that all this time. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I don't have that same uh, feeling about track workouts. I also was a high school runner. And now when I run on the track, it makes me feel like makes me feel like I'm in the Olympics. You know, I can imagine people cheering as I sprint across the finish line. And, it, you know, there's that nice surface. And if you go to a really good place, they even have bank tracks. So I, I feel like a big shot when I'm on the track. I have a question about that. When you're running on a track and there are other people there and do you talk to people while you're running or do you just kind of mind your own business and do your thing? You just throw elbows, right? <laughs> well, that's that's part of the, uh, you know, the simulated Olympic experience. So th there is there is an etiquette to it. Um, and I would say, you know, look, I'm an East Coast guy. So on the track, everyone kind of minds their own business. So, Mark, what is your um, topic du jour for our lightning round today? My topic du jour is sort of the best thing about running. Uh, I mean, we are having just a, uh, I, I don't want to uh, look down Amanda and her 40 inches of snow, but we are having just a glorious spring day today here in New Jersey. And I uh, actually I had to drop my bike off at the repair shop this morning and then I ran home and it was just one of those days where I was like, oh my God, this is so glorious. I just could every day and every moment be like this. I know 100% what you're talking about. Last weekend, we had some spring days and it was the longest run I've had in a while, the best paces I've had in a while. And I think it was just because I was 
so excited to see the sunshine and not have on like 42 layers. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it was just one of those moments where, and again, I'll admit it was a very short run home, but it just, you know, spring rebirth. And you're like, oh my God, I wish, I wish this, I wish this run could last forever and feel just like this. Yeah. It's hard for me to relate to that whole weather discussion living down here in Florida, where it's currently 80 degrees and sunny for the 12th consecutive day. So the, so my topic du jour is that, you know, I've been in the sports business an awful long time and I've worked with a number of products and brands, retailers, um, you know, investors. But I have to tell you, in, in our six episodes of the Run Matters podcast, the one thing and the one topic that has stuck out for me is how the run specialty business is so um, community ingrained and building community, whether it's physical community um, in terms of having events or even emotional community um, within the running world. Mark, I know you have been in the running business an awfully long time and, and closely associated with uh, run specialty stores. W what's your take on that? Oh, look, it's absolutely true. And honestly, it's something that uh, distinguishes and differentiates run specialty from any other form of retail is the sort of emotional, as you said, the emotional connection that people feel to their running stores. I don't know too many people who feel an emotional connection to TJ Maxx. But, you know, people do feel uh, very much a loyalty to their local run store. And uh, Neil, you nailed it. The, the community is really what separates it from, I'd say, any other form of business. Let's get to our first segment. Leading off episode six, we've got Keith Shelton. Keith is the Senior Director of Merchandising and Product Development for Sketchers Performance. Keith, welcome to the Run Matters podcast. Hey, Neil. Great to be on. Keith, before I go any further, you've got to tell me, what is all that mean all that title mean <laughs> good question well for the most part i oversee a big part of the business um, i handle the performance products so i'll be doing golf i do running i do training uh, court sports i also oversee our relationship with uh, clayton kershaw pitcher for the dodgers so i kind of oversee all of the technical product making sure that it's hitting the features and benefits and athletes needs that we need you mentioned, you know, how you work with athletes. You mentioned Clayton Kershaw. And of course, you know, with Kurt, we, we, we talk with Meb, we've talked with Chez, and, and we've had a lot of great discussions. Keith, tell me a little bit about your philosophy and your dealings with these elite athletes and how you work with them. Everything that we do, uh, it's about listening to the athlete, listening to their experience, listening to their uh, ideas and creating elegant solutions for whatever that runner needs. So at all level, whether it's a runner, whether it's a golfer, whether it's a baseball player, uh, you know, a three-time Cy Young pitcher, it doesn't matter. It all starts with using our ears more and using our mouth less. You know, running shoes have always been broken down into different categories. You know, the neutral cushion, stability, or, um, you know, even those shoes that are designed to really help you, you know, put your foot into a specific position for support. What are you finding right now that you're hearing that runners really want from their shoes? Where we try to find the most success, Neil, is in between those areas. So while we might have a great stability shoe and a great cushioning shoe, often our solution uh, kind of lives in between those two products. For example, the Razor 3, the Razor Plus, uh, that was a shoe that would have never come about if we just would have stayed to those traditional silos of speed, cushioning, daily training, stability. And so that's a lot what we look to do is we, we learn things from the stability category that we can bring into our daily trainers. 
as stack heights uh, as sort of continue to increase, a lot of those higher stack height max cushioning type products are obviously going to require more stability. So we've learned a lot and we've been able to implement a lot through either geometry, mm -hmm. through our, you know, like I mentioned earlier, our carbon infused H plate. There's a lot of solutions that we can kind of mix across those silos that give an even better solution than where we've been in the past. Keith, I don't want you to give away any Skechers trade secrets here, but you know, you guys are really known for lightweight shoes. I mean, I'm wearing a pair right now of the uh, Go Run Ride 8s, and I have to say it's like almost wearing nothing on my feet. But can you can you give us a little bit of a hint about what you're working on in the future with respect to performance run? For us, it always comes down to four different things that we try to deliver. We always want to be authentic, which means listening to the runners and their insights. It's always about, as you mentioned, being lightest in class. We don't believe our solutions uh, need to be heavy. We don't want to overbuild the shoe in any way. We always look to be effortless. So it's always about finding simple solutions that best empower the runner. And then finally, we want to be unexpected. So having something like the Razor 3, the Speed Elite, I think it really took the running community by storm by going, holy cow, this is Skechers coming out with these really highly innovative products. So you can expect us to continue to, to, to really push on that innovation front as we move forward, Neil. We'll continue to take on a lot of the successes that we've had recently and build upon that as we continue to uh, provide solutions for that runner. Skechers has been known as a great casual shoe brand for a long time and, and also a brand that really provides great value um, for the customer. But do you find that, um, number one, that you're able to learn things from the kind of consumer side or casual side in performance run and then vice versa? How does it kind of cross over back and forth? Yeah, for sure. A lot of what we do in both golf and in running, you'll, you'll surely see those technologies and innovations coming into the go walk part of our line, into the sport, into the lifestyle and casual segments of our business. There is uh, quite a bit of overlap between those but typically we try to be out in front with all of our technologies and innovations you know in episode five we spoke to ashley anderson from shoes and brews in longmont colorado and when we spoke with ashley she talked about right now how she's how she's wearing her um go run ride eights and not only does she wear them to um, you know, for her runs and for her walks, but she also wears them all day long. So whether she is fitting new customers or working behind the bar in their craft brewery, um, Ashley says they're great for an all day comfort standpoint. Is that something you're really looking to achieve that kind of all day comfort um, out of the shoes also, Keith? Absolutely. As, you know, at Skechers, we're all about comfort. We're all about value, which you had just mentioned. And, you know, in performance running, we still have a lot of those same attributes. It's just what does value mean to us? It means something a little different as we cater towards that runner. So having product that not only meets your, your needs and your goals, but also something that has the modern styling, the right colors, materials, that he or she can feel comfortable wearing those shoes all day. You know, I wear my I Skechers all day long and a couple of days ago i accidentally dropped uh some red sauce all over my shoes and and i called uh, ashley barrett of course ashley works with us at sketchers i said hey ashley can i throw my shoes in the washing machine and she said absolutely she said don't throw them in the dryer but you know what threw them in the washer came out let them dry 
fabulous. Yeah, all of our shoes are machine washable and air dry, as, as Ashley kind of gave you uh, gave <laughs> you away on that. So you can definitely throw them in. The only ones we we tend to not do that on is like our golf shoes with with kind of the metal cleats in there. We tend to not want to put those in the washing machine. But all of our running shoes are machine washable for sure. You know, again, I want to back up for a second. When Kurt was on uh, episode five and we talked with Kurt and Chez, you know, we talked a little bit about the whole super shoe concept that's kind of brewing in the running world. You know, where do you sit on that? Do you think that that's, you know, something's going to be here to stay? Or do you think that that's something that's going to create more controversy as time develops and also as we get closer to the Olympics? I, I definitely think innovation is always going to create controversy, whether it's swimming or whether it's in running or whether it's in motorsports. You're always going to have those companies, those teams that are always pushing the boundaries. For us, uh, you know, we see the super suit as something that's going to stay around. Uh, we've learned a lot from what we've done in the original Speed Elite, which was actually created as a marathon shoe. The market quickly went to that more max cushioning type product. And so now the Speed Elite got pushed into, well, it's good up to a half marathon. So, of course, we're going to be working on, uh, you know, a maximum, maximum version of that coming up where we can take that Speed Elite, add a little bit more offset and stack height. And now you've got something that's going to be suitable for the marathon and beyond. We can also take a lot of those learnings and bring them into the daily trainers. So a lot of what we learned from our H plate designs, as far as providing that forefoot stability, uh, we can start to bring some of those into our daily training because there's obviously not just the need for efficiency on the race course, but having that forefoot stability and a lot of those benefits that come along with the super shoes, we can tune those a little differently in a daily trainer type, uh, type product. You know, a couple of years ago, everybody was focused in on stack height and and heel drop and a number of other technical issues. You know, where do you kind of come out on that? Is that really, you know, is it important to be able to get at that level of minutia or is it really all about, you know, creating just a shoe that's comfortable and wears well and provides the right kind of support? I think it's a little bit of both, Neil. Um, obviously, things like Hyperburst, our relationship with Goodyear Rubber Company, those are provided provided some huge advantages for us because what it allows us to do, Hyperburst foam, for example, because it's so lightweight and resilient, we're actually able to give that runner more cushioning underfoot without increasing the weight. The same thing comes with the outsole. We want to be able to give them great traction without increasing the weight, without increasing the efficiency of the heel to toe motion. So by working with Goodyear, year rubber in Texas, we're actually able to, to come up with a rubber compound better than anything that we've ever come up with ourselves that allows us to give that runner the traction they need, but also keeps the shoes nice and lightweight. You know, the running, the performance run category is a pretty crowded category with a lot of brands. So from your standpoint, and as someone that is head of merchandising, what do you feel is the unique selling proposition that Skechers brings to the performance run category? Great question, Neil. I think that it really is two different uh, type of answers here. The first, when it relates to product, you know, with us, we, we have our HyperArc, which which HyperArc is what we were calling M-Strike. Um, you know, we originally created that with Meb uh, when we first started launching the running product. We've evolved that formula over the years. And what, what HyperArc is, is it's actually four separate arcs along the bottom of the shoe. One that runs from the toe to just behind the ball of the foot, 
one that runs from the ball of the foot to just in front of the heel, one that runs from the heel to the end of the shoe. And now we're adding in a lateral varus in the heel. So if, you know, in the past, we've talked about uh, midfoot striking and promoting more of a midfoot type, uh, you know, strike landing pattern. Now we realize that people are still heel striking. So whether you heel strike, midfoot strike, or forefoot strike, you're always going to be striking along a curve. And we know from our biomechanical testing that that's always going to be the most efficient way to, to treat that runner from heel to toe. Uh, even the greats like Mebs tend to get back into their heel a little bit. So it's not a bad thing. And it is the majority of runners do have those heel strike issues. So we definitely want to make our shoes more accommodating for the heel striker. Uh, huge innovations and in obviously the, the hyperburst foam allows us to go thicker uh, without adding weight, giving you more cushioning, uh, more protection underneath the foot. That relationship with Goodyear we talked about, allowing us to give you that sure footing, that traction without sacrificing any of the durability or the traction. And then the second part of the question has to do with how we work with the retailers. The first part is, is everything that we're selling to our run specialty channels, we definitely don't want to have a cross-pollination of that assortment in our Skechers uh, retail stores. So we try to have separate uh, assortments, one that's specifically for run specialty, and then we'll have a second group of shoes that we typically sell on our Skechers.com, and then a little bit of that cross-pollination, uh, what we sell internationally. So that allows allows us to really get behind our run specialty partners, the running community. So it really allows us to create a nice balance between what we're trying to do with the running community and run specialty accounts and still having that huge behemoth of Skechers retail behind us. We're, you know, honestly, we want to try to try to maximize both of those channels. With merchandising in your title, tell us a little bit about how Skechers Performance works differently with the run specialty stores than it does, let's say, with their um, other stores that it deals with, or it's even its own um, company-owned stores. Yeah, we definitely want to create two separate assortments. You know, part of our philosophy, we've brought Dan Sullivan on board. He's been with us now for a couple of years. We really want to support that run specialty wholesale channel. So the shoes that we typically sell in those channels, you won't notice them in our Skechers retail stores, but we do have separate assortments there because we do have that customer who, you know, we're the number one walking brand in the United States. And so that customer's coming in, they're buying that walking shoe from us. They want to transition into running. So we do have some of those entry core level type products, but it's really important to us as a brand that we support both that run specialty and that running community. And at the same time, be able to give that value comfort type product to that Skechers consumer. I'll tell you, Keith, between you and Kurt and then all of the other folks, you know, that are involved with Skechers performance. Of course, you mentioned Dan Sullivan. You're really looking at, you know, this category, um, you know, as a unique category, as a growth opportunity. And I think it really makes a lot of sense, um, you know, based on a lot of the things that we've heard from, you know, Kurt, yourself and, of course, uh, Dan. So thanks again for being on. Sure. Thank you. Mark, that was a really interesting interview with Keith Shelton from Skechers Performance. They really have made a commitment um, to go, uh, you know, into the performance side for both running and, of course, Keith mentioned also golf and some other sports. Mark, what's your uh, feeling about, uh, you know, Skechers and the performance side of the business? Well, look, you hear it from the retailers who are on the show. I think all the retailers give the brand its props for, for what it's done and uh, it's sort of the persistence it has demonstrated. Hey, Mark, you know what it's time for? Let's talk shop. It's time for Retail Matters. We have a special treat today. 
we have Greg Koch from 605 Running, and he is joined by his colleague, Benson Lagat. Did I say that correctly, Benson? Yes, you did. Greg, we were hoping maybe you'd start off by just telling us a little bit about how you guys came to be in business. I know you have sort of a different, interesting backstory. Yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, we're single door here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, the great white north. And uh, we started in t- 2014. Um, our store was started by three brothers, Grant Paul and Logan Watley. Uh, none of those are Greg Koch. I was involved in an incubator program for first-time business owners. Um, through downtown Sioux Falls. And I actually got to see the brothers business plan. Um, I saw it and I was hooked. I, from the very beginning, I was like, I have to go work for these guys. So I started part-time. Within a month, I was working for them full-time. Within a year and a half, I had bought into the business. And from there, it's just, it's been a rocket ship. It's been uh, quite the experience for me. I never pictured myself being in the running industry, but I feel like that's helped me sort of create our own niche in our own community. Um, because being in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, it's, it's a really unique place for running. There's a lot of great tradition and history in running from South Dakota, but um, I'm just thrilled that I get to be a part of that small little piece. Mark said this is a really special episode, and it truly is because we're also joined today by the in-house running coach at 605 Running, and I want to make sure I get Benson Langout. Benson, tell us a little bit about how you got to 605 running. I I was reading a little bit about your background. I know you're from Kenya originally. Mm-hmm. Let us have it. I was talking to my college coach, um, uh, Coach Fitzsimmons out of University of South Dakota. We were talking and he said, hey, have you heard about 605 running company? Because after college, I had moved. It's 50 miles away. So I moved to Sioux Falls. And uh, at that time, I was working uh, at a uh, residential treatment counselor with kids. And so I was looking for a running group because at that time I was not running at all. I, I had taken a break. And so he told me, hey, check this guys out. And first thing I walked in and Greg was just right there. It's crazy that he's actually wearing the same sweatshirt today <laughs> that he was wearing when I walked into the shop. Greg, I hope you've washed it since then. Maybe once. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, I loved everything that this store was offering. And so I I came back for group runs, and since then, my running started back up, and Coach Grant, who was my coach at that time, too, I started working with him because he is part of one of the shops, so he introduced me to coaching. So uh, he was my coach and introduced me to coaching, and and since then, um, I've been coaching uh, clients in the state, out of state, you know, some overseas. And so the, the business part of coaching is blended in well, because um, just having the connection with the running shop has been has been just uh, a great adventure. So that's my little story of how I found out Six of Five Running Company. So we have uh, Amanda Brooks is a running coach and she's a regular guest on our show. Talk to us a little bit about what you do as a coach. And uh, I'm curious as to sort of what's the economic model of the coach and how it pays off for the store as well. I'm the director of coaching and I have two other coaches who are helping me out. Um, the three of us were certified by Roadrunners Club of America. And so we, uh, we use that system, um, you know, to, for certification purposes. But our coaching here in Sioux Falls, uh, we target more the community here. The goal really was to grow the running community here in Sioux Falls. So the business side of that, Mark, uh, and how it helps the store is uh, our coaches are fantastic, but they, they don't want to necessarily deal with some of the back end stuff. So the billing and the insurance and some of those things. And so by being under the umbrella of the, the store, we're able to 
let them coach, let them really excel at what they do in terms of connecting with our audience. Um, and, and then we benefit because of that community relation that, that we're able to have through the coach runner experience. We've talked a lot about how the pandemic and, and running has been a wonderful outlet for people. But Benson, how do you combine kind of running and maybe clinical psychology, you know, together to really help people, you know, improve their current mental health situation? Um, my other job is uh, I work as a clinical therapist. And so research supports that exercise is one of the biggest, um, you know, coping mechanisms in, you know, to help with mental health and everything. So personally, I use that as my escape zone. So I run day in, day out, you know. Benson, can you tell us about your relationship with some perhaps well-known runners? I know uh, just a few days ago, uh, Greg was kind enough to send over a picture of you with Meb Klefeski, uh, who is, uh, you know, he's Meb. He doesn't need any description of who he is, but uh, I know he's a big Skechers endorser. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Meb, funny thing, we met in the bathroom in Wisconsin, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in Green Bay. Uh, and he said, hey, are you Benson? And I was like, yes, I am Benson. Because he's somebody that I um, I looked up to, you know, in college and, and, you know, following his journey. I've gotten to know Meb. I've run into him many times. And, you know, we've interacted many times. I also know Chesrek. Um, Chesrek, we're all from Kenya. So, I mean, we've Chesrek and I have talked multiple times and, you know, we, we, we know, we know each other, you know, pretty well, uh, overall, you know, the sketches community, uh, Ch- Jared Ward is also another great guy that is just, you connected just in a di- many different ways. Ches told us he moved to Arizona because, uh, the weather is so good for training. So did you move to, to South Dakota? Cause the weather is so good for training. <laughs> I, I it's 20 <laughs> below last time we spoke to you guys. <laughs> yes. I think though, if you can survive South Dakota, you can survive in anywhere in the planet. They move up to the altitude, I move up to the cold. Greg, what are you seeing right now in terms of your business long-term? What are you seeing for the future? People are ready to get out and to get moving. They wanna participate in races again. Uh, They wanna come and shop physically in the store. They're ready. Um, And we've got a half marathon coming up in April and that's gonna be live. And we're we're really excited with the reception of that and, and how, uh, much our community has endorsed that experience. And so we're working really hard to make that a successful sort of relaunch into that live event space. Greg, you also talked about the history of running in South Dakota. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think uh, when you think of South Dakota, it has to start um, with Billy Mills and the success that he had in the Olympics. And then um, for us, we're, we're really happy to be partners with the Roadrunners Club of America. Um, and if you're in our area, names like Bartling come up, uh, Bartling's running store, Bob Bartling, uh, at SDSU, he's got one of the greatest catalogs in the South Dakota state university library of running history. And, uh, some of the things that they've done as a club over the years, they do some amazing things. Uh, you definitely have to check out the Jack 15. Uh, it's a 15 mile road race. Uh, it's got its own unique quirks, but, uh, um, we, we have been just happy to be a small piece of some of those historic things that have happened in our area. And we're really proud of all of those, uh, accomplishments that we've had as a state. So Billy Mills is on the, uh, Mount Rushmore of South Dakota running and probably should be on the Mount Rushmore of American running. He is a guy who grew up dirt poor on an Indian reservation, was orphaned at age 12 and somehow got himself on the 1964 Olympic team. 
was totally unknown and turned in one of the greatest performances ever. Uh, for people who are listening, I would urge everyone to go to YouTube and uh, just Google Billy Mills 1964 Olympics and you will see him win the gold medal in the 10,000 meters with one of the most amazing performances. It, it doesn't even look real. It's so incredible to just watch him pass people in the backstretch. It's, uh, it's really something to see. Well, this is an audio podcast and everyone will be listening. Um, Mark and I are also lucky enough to be seeing Greg and Benson while we're talking to them. And I happen to notice, Benson, that you've got a pair of Skechers uh, in a glass case. What's the deal with that? Growing up, I, I grew up with no shoes. I wasn't wearing shoes. I only had one pair of, of running shoes for, um, to ch- for going to church and weddings. And so um, I was fortunate enough to um, hop in the testing out of the shoe before it released. Um, so um, Kurt and, and the production team, Adam actually connected me. Uh, and so they, they, they had me trying that shoe to see any issues that, you know, that shoe may experience. So that is the original shoe because before they added a piece in there. So to me, that has a special connection to me because I just get, I, I told one of my friends, Hey, I never used to wear shoes. Now I had an opportunity to test out a shoe before it's released, which is amazing. And so, so to me, in a class case like that, it means it's, uh, it means a lot to me. That's what I did my virtual Boston. Uh, I used uh, the version of the shoe for my virtual Boston marathon. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we've heard a lot of great stories about how Kurt has worked with the different athletes, whether it's been Meb, uh, Chez, and, and now, of course, hearing your story about how you were able to work with uh, Kurt early on as he was developing some great shoes. So that, you know, it's always great to hear a uh, Kurt story. Do you have another good Kurt story by any chance, Benson? Yes, I've got, I, I had to, uh, I've met him multiple times. And um, the first time I met him was in New York. And so um, I told him, you know, like the shoes that I've been running in um, are all sketches. And I told him, I think I'm, you know, that's, I'm going to be running with sketches for the rest of my life or wear them. <laughs> the, all my dress shoes are sketches. So, I mean, I love the shoe. And, and, and through that connection is when I, I met the team, uh, both, in, uh, both in, in New York, Texas, and, and also in LA, it's just they cared for, you know, about me as a person more than the, the shoe itself. So it created that connection. But um, I'm still working with them right now. Um, I'm still helping the production team with, um, some of the shoes that they're sending me to uh, test it out. So, Greg, is there anything you'd like to maybe add to uh, our discussion today before uh, we end this? You know, I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to be on today. I think what you guys are doing with this podcast is incredible. Um, and, you know, for us, uh, a couple of guys here in South Dakota to be able to have a platform like this is just really amazing. And so I'm very, very appreciative of the, the time and the opportunity. It's it truly is awesome stuff. Greg and, and Benson, I want to thank you today for coming on. And, and you know what? I also want to thank um our sponsors, uh, Skechers Performance, who have really allowed us to meet some wonderful run specialty retailers. And clearly, Greg and Benson, you fit right into that category. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. Mark, that was a great segment with Greg Koch and Benson Lagat from 605 Running. Uh, they really seem to have uh, a great partnership. 
and are really doing some great things there in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he was super complimentary on the podcast. So make sure you send him that money we promised. If you would like to listen to the full unedited version of the interview Mark and I just did with Greg Koch and Benson Legat from 605 Running, don't forget to check out the Run Matters Retail Matters edition wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's time to get to Amanda and her Run to the Finish segment. On your mark, get set, go! Let's run to the finish with Amanda Brooks. So, Amanda, what do you have for us today in your Run to the Finish segment? You know, I thought we would talk a little bit more about track workouts because I think some of what I said and some of what Mark said really kind of fit how different people think about the track. And for me, I know one of the big things I kept saying to myself over and over was, I run far, not fast. And we forget how easily those little things we tell ourselves really manifest in the way we then choose to train, right? So my first race was a half marathon and I just kind of convinced myself I really wasn't built for speed. The track was a scary place, even though I kept hearing over and over and over all the benefits of doing it. So I love Mark's mindset of instead kind of thinking like when I go there, I feel like a champ and I'm really going to try to channel that next week. I think you have to look at it or I look at it almost like I'm entering the stadium. And, you know, I feel like when I go in there, I feel like I'm slipping on my cake and my uh, my cape and my Olympic uh, singlet. And, you know, it just I don't know, it, it sort of forces me to raise my game. Also, one thing about going to the track, once you go there, there's no chickening out. Right. You got to <laughs> you got to do what you're there to do. Amanda, when you go run on the track, do you use different uh, footwear? I mean, what's your uh, plan? I mean, do you take different types of shoes with you? Uh, or is it really based on, you know, factors like weather or things like that? Yeah. So I actually have certain shoes that are my speed workout shoes. Um, so like the Skechers razor plus is just a very thin light shoe, like would be amazing for a 5k. And so that's the kind of thing where, you know, you are slipping that shoe on and you're mentally telling yourself like, this is my speed shoe. It's just like having a pair of lucky socks. It gets you into that right mindset. And then Mark made a great point about the surface of the track. And like I said, it has been so long since I went to a track that when I got out there and started running, I was like, this feels amazing. It's like springy and cushioned. And I realized my knees have definitely been missing out on that. I, I do know there are a number of different surfaces that um, you can run on. Of course, you talked about the rubbery kind of springy surface, but also I do see a lot of tracks kind of with like more of a black, looks like cindery kind of material. Um, are those tracks still around? There's a whole variety. Mark might have some some better info on that. Uh, yeah, certainly, you know, the track surface and the, the different, you know, components that go into making the rubber. I mean, geez, we could we could bring on an expert who could talk about that all day. <laughs> and the cinder tracks are, they're a throwback and uh, you don't see too many of them around anymore. How about indoor tracks? Amanda, have you ever done any running um, indoors on a track of sorts? I have, and that is not as enjoyable for me. <laughs> I 
because usually they're like an eighth of a mile instead of a quarter mile. So it just feels like a whole lot more laps. Yeah. Well, here here in New York, we have one of the legendary tracks uh, in the United States at, at the Armory in uh, Upper Manhattan. And Amanda's right. It's wooden track. So they call it running the boards. And I think to do a mile, it's eight, it might even be 12 laps. And uh, I've actually run in my schoolboy career, I ran there. And I admit by lap nine or 10, I felt like I was on a hamster wheel. Yeah, which is funny, because I can run on the treadmill forever. But there is something about going in that circle that feels a little different. It's the turns and the bank turns. And the first couple of times you do it, it's like, whoa, this is cool. But by the ninth or 10th time, it didn't hurt that I, or it didn't help that I was about ninth place at the time. So Amanda, we've been talking a lot about tracks. But Talk to us a little bit about what kind of workouts you do at the tracks. I think what's really interesting is there are so many options. And for people like me who are just sort of getting back to it and it feels scary, breaking it down and realizing that it doesn't have to be this all day thing and it doesn't even have to be all out sprints um, is really important. So, I mean, you can start with things where... Um, we did this progression last week that I really enjoyed because it kind of plays into my mindset of being a distance runner. So lap one is just nice and easy. Lap two, we're just getting a little faster, three, even faster. And then four is your fastest lap. So instead of even mentally having to think like, I'm going to sprint my hardest for 200, just sort of I'm going to ease into a faster pace for me mentally made a big, big difference. And I think that is one of the key things when you're kind of getting into it is finding those workouts that are going to help you feel successful so that then you'll go back again next week. Also, one thing about a track, even someone uh, for someone like Neil, who's doing sort of the run walk program. I know there were times when I've gone to the track and I'll run a quarter mile, then I'll walk a quarter mile. So I, I, my favorite thing about the track is that it's measured distance. And, you know, you can really gauge exactly what you're doing, whether it's sprints or, you know, even walk run workouts. A hundred percent. There is such a variety of people that are there as well. So when we're kind of getting in our heads about, oh, I'm not the fastest, there are people doing a whole variety of workouts. And honestly, no one cares what your workout is. They're just trying to do what they came to do. Backwards? Do you ever do backwards? I have done backwards, but not on a track. What's the whole deal with running backwards? I don't get it. It, it works. It works different muscle groups. And uh, you see some very serious athletes, soccer players, I, I guess sort of the uh, one of the uh, a sign of sort of how fast I've become or how slow I've become. The last time I was at our local high school track, there was this high school kid running backwards and he was running backwards as fast as I was running forwards. <laughs> so I wanted, to, you talked about etiquette. I wondered what the etiquette was if I chased him down and tackled him, but I didn't. Yeah. Running backwards for me would be like an injury waiting to happen. I could just see myself crashing into a person or some sort of inanimate object as I'm running backwards. It would just not be a good situation. Amanda, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, your handles where we can find you on social media? Absolutely. I'm run to the finish on pretty much every social channel and run to the finish.com is the website. Well, as I said at the top of the show, um, this is episode six of the Run Matters podcast powered by Skechers Performance. And this is actually the last of the live episodes in our first season. Uh, we will be featuring some uh additional programming that will be on the website. So if you go to www.runmatters.com, 
or of course onto your favorite podcast platform you'll be able to uh get some of our exclusive special interviews we have some longer interviews we have some other clips that we weren't able to include but i cannot um get to uh episode six without thanking a number of people first and foremost i want to thank my co-host mark sullivan uh my friend my partner in this um, it's been wonderful working on season one with you, Mark. And again, cannot thank you enough for uh, all the help and, and all the work that you've put into this. Well, you're very welcome, Neil. I've enjoyed it as well. Amanda, what can I say? Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and uh, really uh, have enjoyed working with you. Um, hopefully we're going to be also working together on season two, but really enjoy getting to know you and uh, really learning a lot about running. I'm still in my program. Uh, running and walking and uh, the great weather here in Florida has been very conducive. So Amanda, I want to, you know, send a special thank you uh, out there to Colorado. Uh, thanks. I love any opportunity to talk about running. Well, and of course we could never have done this without our producer, uh, Brad, maybe Brad has been amazing to work with. Um, I cannot thank him enough for uh, making him make us better. Um, he has just, you know, we have called upon Brad, um, to really help make us better, and he has really done that. But last but not least, I really want to thank the folks at Skechers Performance. Um, Ashley Barrett, who has been our coordinator liaison um, with Skechers Running and Skechers Performance. I want to thank Dan Sullivan, who is uh, head of sales um, for the run specialty side for Skechers Performance. And of course, I'd like to also thank our guests, um, Kurt, Keith Shelton and all of the other folks that have participated um, from Skechers. So again, um, that takes us to the end of episode six. If you enjoy the Run Matters podcast, give us a great review and five stars wouldn't hurt. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>